0: in this case, if you were to be alone, you would be, you know, reflecting and thinking. Remember they, they made fun of thinking earlier, right? Yes. It was Lenina was like thinking, thinking, why are you always thinking?
1: Yes, indeed. Yeah. Oh yeah, I'm oh I'm here. Yeah, uh, wonderful, wonderful points. I'm I, I, I I <laughs>
0: Frank's, Frank's alone thinking. No, so.
1: I, I'm th- I'm trying to think right now. Yeah, for sure. No, I was I was I was letting you continue. I was, and I'm also looking at these great uh, comments coming in on the thread too. I can't wait to get around to it as well. The um, that is, like I said, the, the thinking and the purpose, all that going together, and uh, I, I think it, it comes together, like I said before, with the with the the rhyme. That that Helmholtz had put together mm-hmm. and he finally felt like there was that purpose that in, in earlier in the book, he said, you know, what do I do with the smarts with the, with this intelligence, with the ability to craft words and put it together. But, you know, with all these words and my ability to, to comprise, you know, sentences and paragraphs and, w- and books, I, the the, 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 the material there and the, the urge and the permission to even go and express different thoughts and find different things, it uh, we start seeing just how limited it really is. Where he doesn't even say anything too outside of the box, too outlandish in his little rhyme. It's the fact mm-hmm. that he puts the words together that rhymed, rhyming. Yeah. You know, so it's uh, you can see where, where where purpose can be found very easily in a in a in a place that is this repressed.
0: Yes, and then fourteen moves on to. um you know linda dies and then we have discussions of crematoriums and then there's like a uh there's constant televisions always running that's interesting that's mentioned at the beginning of chapter 14 and the the thing about chapter 14 is that it's not just about crematoriums but they actually have this notion of death education so you're actually conditioned to accept your death and to accept it as this sort of honorable thing to go to the crematorium and you get like recycled to be put back into being, didn't they say early, earlier you're made into a fertilizer and that they have it calculated as to how many people can be turned into how many pounds of fertilizer when they die. So it's like, yeah. there's no such thing as funerals, right? Because now in this society, you don't have a funeral because there's no religious significance as to life. It's essentially a death cult. And so what we didn't realize throughout the novel was that, we've heard a lot about population control through cloning and through, you know, uh, tailoring the people in a eugenics way to be specific regimented sections of society. But we haven't really heard much about the death yet, but now we re- we learn that this, this society's whole view of death is completely pagan, uh, and, uh, based around euthanasia. So, yeah, you know, it's not be- a surprise to us, but the euthanasia society goes together. The death cult goes with, the uh eugenics and population control
1: no doubt i i had said it before it is uh, it's it's garbage disposal that's really all it is and um before you had arrived i had also said that uh going beyond the, the lack of religion and in and, uh, and a spiritual life it really just goes to show the nature inside of that hospital how yeah People don't form any kind of meaningful relationships. They don't build families. They don't belong to one another. Uh, even though they say everybody belongs to everybody, there really, right. there really is no. There's no. There, there are no friends that are visiting friends in the hospital. There, there's no. There's nobody there for anybody. It is such a disposable society, and all these people are utterly meaningless to their creators and to each other. Just through their conditioning, it's um, th- that. That's why it, it creates such this this almost um obscene scene when when john is there and, and he's mourning a woman who really wasn't ever built to be a good mother but still was his mother and he felt this stuff for her and mm-hmm. uh, and and it just it's that contrast of what humanity really is in all of its imperfections up uh, uh, up against this this assembly line of death
0: yeah yeah i mean funerals are religious things typically right we think about them as signifying this important passage where everybody's going to go through which is death into the next next phase and societies that it's just like marriage right societies that have marriage are societies that have some religious notion of the union. That's at least the whole history of humanity. Yeah, I mean, atheists can get married or whatever, but the history of marriage as an institution is always connected to one's religious beliefs. Then uh, in terms of death, it's the exact same thing because funerals are typically done because a person, at least before the the return of cremation, which is a pagan and Freemasonic practice, people believed in the bodily resurrection. And so the funeral was a very important ritual. Uh, with the promotion of uh, the notion of cremation, you actually have the return of the ancient pagan Gnostic ideas of the body's bad, the body needs to be transcended. And that's why even, for example, in the Catholic Church, the, forever they forbade cremations until the the Masons really pushed that for the Church to change their position, allow for that. So this is a society that has completely capitulated to that. There's absolutely no notions of anything like you know the Bali Resurrection or the need for a funeral any more than there is for a marriage. And so you can see that this is a fairly consistent technocracy. And any society that doesn't have God will default, will fall over into this kind of brutality. You'll be a ward or an organ of the state. And that's whether it's the atheist state or whether it's the ancient, you know, pagan Babylonian state, you're just a cog in the the state. You're just a, a piece of skin on the organism of the big body of the state. That's Plato's view. Like you're just a cell in the the macrocosm, of Superman. That is the
1: state. Wonderful, stuff. and that that is uh, that was the end of chapter what fourteen. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So yeah, that, it, as I said, Jay, uh, my my most collective thoughts on this whole these groupings of chapters right here is I call them the things fall apart chapters. Uh, this is really where john i mean, as you see after after linda dies in this final chapter of this last grouping that we read um this is where he's really just he's given up on lenina lenina is just a a, a, a brick wall uh he's given up on the whole of society he's there fist fighting people in the hospital trying to throw their soma out the window but still they're looking at him as if he is just an alien uh th- this there's really a, it's the point of no return for him for Bernard Marx and even Helmholtz, as Helmholtz has really cast his lot too, going in there and, and helping John fight people. Uh, that's, yeah, that's, the that's
0: the, the revolution part, the revolution
1: scene is funny yeah. <laughs>
0: because uh, is this the scene where they they don't they like spray everybody down with soma? Yeah, <laughs> so
1: they, they just gassed everybody. Yeah, with a bunch of
0: so it's like the, if the crowd's getting too really just uh, gas them with you know molly or something. Get them get them all chilled out. Uh, get them dancing to a rave or something. Get them back to the orgy-porgy, right, if they're getting too unruly. Yeah, um, Yeah. so you're right. This is where we're really getting over towards the last, you know, final, the climax of the story where uh, after this confrontation, we're going to have I don't want to spoil it if you guys haven't got to the end of it yet, but um, it's not going to be This it, it's kind of a tragedy, and I think it fits for the novel being a tragedy, given that it's about a dystopia, but um Again, there's going to be parallels that you'll notice with uh, 1984. So the the direction that this story goes in, even though it has a different type of dystopia based around pleasures, the direction of the, the story in terms of despair will be the same.
1: That's it. Um, uh, you want to get around to some thoughts on uh, that have been placed into this thread? Sure. Okay. Well, uh, f- first thing I have to just acknowledge again, are you know, our, our posts, like from NJSF, who have I mean full full breakdowns with excerpts and everything. I'll see if I can find a, a couple of things to pick out, but we don't have enough time to get through it all. So I I really want to encourage everybody because these these threads will be saved for posterity post your own comment on others, have conversations, gain new perspective. That's the good stuff here. Um, here's one from blue Ridge commentary said, the one thing I'll point out in this section is the name of the hospital, the park lane hospital for the dying. It wasn't until the war for Southern independence. that hospitals went from a place. One went to die to a place. One might go to, to get fresh air, food, water, and possibly even recover and what uh and, and most of what they learned about medicine which was a lot in a short time was by accident like in the union blockade wiping out the confederacy's uh, supply of silk the common thread used for stitches without silk the, conversa- the confederates found they could sew wounds with horsehair instead however the horsehair was only pliable enough if it was first boiled that's a lot of dead parasites to get pliable horsehair for a sew- to sew shut wounds with anyhow i reckon covid ventilators got us back to hospitals being a place where one goes to die at least if they can, they'll kill you. And I, I that's why I said in the opening of this, of that chapter right there, I believe that we have gotten so f- close to reestablishing that world. Well, and, and for a time there, under the COVID protocols, uh, if you went to the hospital, you were all alone. You were all alone um, next to strangers in in, uh, you know, in isolation, you wouldn't be able to talk to anybody. You were drugged up. You had nobody to advocate for you. So for at least a year and a half from 2020 until about 2022, we really were living in that world of a, a preview of this kind of, of, yeah. it was terrible. Yeah, it's a
0: medical scientific dictatorship that's a technocracy in this novel. And you're absolutely right. We got a taste of that because they started rolling out a lot of the automated, um, AI and all that, as a result of COOF. that was in the lockstep document that when, uh, the COOF happened, when the big scandemic happened, they would roll out, um, more and more automation because it would be justified under the fact that everybody needed to be distanced from everybody and everybody needed to be at home, stay at home, save lives. Remember all that. Yep. And so there's this weird contradiction that's intentional between you're never alone. You're always with people, but you're always alone <laughs> because you're never connected to pe- people with any direct connection. And that's part of the control mechanism of the society by design. So I do like that Huxley um, mentioned that. And I forgot to mention, too, when we were talking before, the death education in that last chapter. Uh, death education is a real thing. Like They were pushing that at Columbine before the Columbine stuff. That school had was one of the first to really uh, push... Um, testing out death education on teens, which shocker, right, like leads to people then committing uh, unaliving themselves. Um, and then now here we are, You know, fast forward to 2023 and we've got euthanasia uh, care in Canada openly.
1: Well, did you hear about this? I, I was going to cover this today, but I, I said, saved it as a bookmark for later in the week. There was a, a headline from the Daily Star. The headline was, now you can quote Experience death in a virtual reality with disturbing new simulation. So they created a, uh, a almost like a, a, a VR simulation. Have you ever wondered what happens when you die? Well, now you can find out thanks to an unusual VR simulation which lets you face death, uh, near death experiences. And people says it causes panic. Panic. They make the the bed vibrate. They project you above your body and all that stuff. They do all. It's just incredible um, how. You, I, we're, we're reading these chapters and all of a sudden I see that there is a virtual reality death experience that is starting to be dabbled with in uh, in some places and yeah, it, it's just as morbid as it gets.
0: Yeah, there's a 1983 movie uh, that's worth watching that's really similar to that with Christopher Walken called Brainstorm. If you've never seen Brainstorm, I recommend it because he basically works at this DARPA project which is about Recording and simulating and causing near-death experiences with like brain tech—it's pretty wild. Hmm. But it fits perfectly into that.
1: I have to check that out. Um, yeah, you should watch it. Yeah, we uh, just last night I put on the on the network. We all watched uh, Equilibrium finally together, so it was great yeah. great to catch up on that one again too. Very. Very, very relevant. Uh, here's one. Here's one section from N- NJSF. It says throughout this uh, throughout this incident, I thoroughly enjoyed how John's coping mechanisms is to seek comfort in the words of Shakespeare always with the appropriate play in this case romeo and juliet letting him know that he, uh, he uh, that he feel what he feels is normal human and not just his affliction it also is telling how the conditioning of helmholtz is breaking when he uh, when he later on joins john listening to his reciting but still struggles with the conditioning at the mention of mother and father that's where he just busts out laughing and i think it was another another little um another little a moment for John the Savage and realizing, wow, I, uh, I'm i only going to get so far, even with the brightest of them. There's very few that he can talk to. Um, here's from, let's see here. Hold on, where do we got here? Well, um, oh, I just missed out on it. Damn it. Oh yeah, here we go. This is from Quincy's Finest. Said in chapter 13, John and Lenina have this extremely awkward profession of feelings for each other, where John uses Shakespearean prose to confess his love for her, and Lenina just throws herself at him like the e-thought that she is. Then John just flips his wig. He screams at her, basically calls her a whore. This whore scene is very reminiscent of the general sentiment around certain parts of the boards, essentially the politically incorrect board on, on 4chan. In particular, I would say where a return to traditional societal values and norms is championed in the horrendous state of modern dating, the lewdness of the culture and the willingness of people, women in particular, to make easy money by compromising their morals is lamented endlessly. You see a lot of popular new content basically echoing these same sentiments, like Fresh and Fit and the Whatever podcast. My point is that I think that we're at a point in society right now where we're starting to see these types of scenes play out. A lot of Men today harbor resentment toward the porno- uh, pornographication of our culture. These are our sisters, our mothers, our daughters, and it's become trendy with sites like OnlyFans to sell yourself for some fast cash. There is a lot of Johns out there today, and too many Lenin. There is not. Oh wait, there are a lot of Johns out there today, and too many Leninas, and it's not trending in the right direction.
0: Yeah, I mean that's a great point too. We forgot. I forgot to mention or think about the of society that's exactly the society that that he predicts in brave new world yes and here we are yeah it's like everything in this novel is like right now you know what i mean like we're like rolling into the actual you know death care austerity 15 minute cities technocracy i mean it's everything
1: like i tell you jay it's why people i and and they've been saying it in the chat room too and a lot of lighthearted conversation i could uh, you know there's it's in the threads, it's in the chats, it's in the emails that I get throughout the week. People are really enjoying taking this walk, but do they hate this book it is not it doesn't it's not good for the soul at all. They're enjoying it uh, yeah. it's i because I, I think it's more so creepy uh Huxley is a very effective writer and but there's there's something pathetic and lamentable about every every character there's really nobody you embrace and when you do embrace somebody it's usually tainted with this this very heavy stain of pity and um man at it, uh it's
0: it, yeah there's it, not going to be any heroic characters ultimately i'm not gonna i guess i kind of spoiled things there but
1: yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's all right i think at this point everybody everybody probably sees where this is going yeah but right. uh but yeah okay here's another one uh scrappy 1307 this will be the last one that we do uh, everything is science. Drugs are spirituality. Eternal. Today's mask-wearing, sycoph- uh, mask-wearing sycophants will no doubt wholeheartedly be let down this path without delay. Uh, trust the science, zealots, and zombies of today. No doubt will chant the current mantra. Nursery rhymes are a chant designed to calm us down. It's funny how completely through one's life expectancy, nursery rhymes type wisdom, nursery rhyme type wisdom is recited. Yeah, they continue to do that. They call themselves back in this book. They, If they're in a point of stress, they take some drugs. They call themselves back with very... Um, primitive and childlike lines very yeah, infantile. they exactly. talk about infant uh, this infantile nature a lot that they're just infants
0: that well that... remember that crowley wanted to uh, inaugurate the aeon of the child and part of that is keeping you in an infantilized and uh arrested development state so the more the more that i read this the more i say that this is actually a crowleyan level society right
1: mm-hmm. yeah
0: and he and he was, I think, in Crowleyan circles. So, doesn't that make sense?
1: It does. What do you think? Oh, it does. It, it no, no doubt does. And now well, that, and,
0: and we had that. Remember the imagery of, so the orgy porgy is like basically kind of like a sex magic ritual, and then we have the statement that uh, Mustafa Mond is kind of like this pedo image of Christ, right? Like a blasphemous pedo apostle, remember that?
1: I can't wait to... I I forget how he ends up... Oh, obviously, he's not going anywhere. can't be. It can't be. But
0: Well, but what I'm saying is, like, that's Crowleyan, right? To take something like that and deface it with uh, pedo stuff, right?
1: mm -hmm. Yeah, and you know, a lot of this changed for me, Jay, once we... About two weeks ago, when we started... When you really uh, drove home, what kind of associations and what kind of a background... Huxley comes from, because it's one thing to, for somebody to sit down and to kind of play the slippery slope game and do a little bit of projection onto society and, and make it a little bit dystopian and creepy and, and, uh, and, and ruffle some feathers with a book in the 1930s. It's a, it's another thing to have these associations and, um, and, 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 in the afterwards, almost feel like it could be an apologetic in some way or just some sort of a, hey, uh, you know, I, I'm appeasing karma right now. I'm telling you we're coming. And, yeah, for you to bring up Crowley and for this to be all all very, very similar timing and timelines and, and outlook, it's it fits together uh, eerily enough. It does. And here's the end of what uh, Scrappy had to say. I believe Huxley's purpose for writing this book is to manifest it into consciousness of society without a hindrance to free will. I believe by telling us their plans for the future, Huxley and his elitist friends will be allowed to proceed at least according to their own occult teachings. Anyway, that must be the the karma point. Anyway, those are my thoughts. I'm completely enjoying this experience, even though I slacked off for a couple of sessions. Well, it's very easy to to catch up. Uh, Jay, take it away. Uh, What was his last comment? He just said, oh, actually, you know, it's a little bit more what we were saying, how he he believes that he was just seeding this into the consciousness of society. Oh,
0: he has motives. Again, yeah, I don't know the motives. I just, I don't think he was a good guy looking at, um, not just connections, because you could know a lot of evil people and be a good person. But, um, you know, he he specifically mentions uh, why he thinks, you know, LSD and all that's a good thing to promote. I don't think that's a good thing to promote. Um, he's involved in, you know, the circles of everybody working at the Tavistock Institute, UNESCO, um, you know, as far as I can tell in the other books that he has, I don't, I don't see anything that's virtuous or good about what he's up to. Um, you know, I know I think he's a bad guy. I don't know what to say.
1: Yeah. Well, th- th- I'm, I'm right there with you. Um, Ali Q says Bernard at the end of chapter 15 reminds me of the compromised politicians who may have a bit of conscience but yield to their personal fear of making quote that one career-ending move end quote even though it is the right thing to do absolutely no courage yeah you no know, he doesn't have much of anything he doesn't have courage he doesn't have he doesn't have principles and it's uh, he really is a toward the end a just a, a rat a rat boy it's really not yeah, I think that
0: the nobody in the society has virtue because the virtues there's not really a purpose. So if you don't have purpose, like Mustafa Mann had said, was removed, then mm-hmm. virtue aims at some end or some some purpose, right? Yes. You choose the good because you want to be good, or you believe in the good, or you believe in in these things that that's part of your purpose in life. But there's no purpose. There's no good. There's no choosing either this or that. Is there's no there's nothing between them. And uh, that's also Crowley and dictum, too. That there's no Crowley said that in the uh, in the Aeon that he wanted to bring in, there would be no all. It would be signified by all choices being equal, meaning that it doesn't matter what you choose because there is no good and evil. Good and evil is just relative to you, and that's the society they live in here. Is that there's no good and evil. There's just the state, and you you either follow it or you don't
1: well i think that everybody. we can
0: everybody follows it because there's no there's no reason or basis not to just submit to the state
1: and and that would be the the, the main theme of what we're living through right now in this time too there's exactly. no there's just really nothing what is law i, what, I mean i think you think about what what kind of moral grounding is needed just to understand and respect the idea of separation of powers in our in a in a system of government like we were given uh and how it was designed for us in the 18th century um to have that to have any kind of morality to to be able to say no this is where we must not cross and this is what congress can and cannot do and then just to get to a point where where we are right now where okay well uh, let's just get a simple majority and we'll just do whatever or let's just uh write it with a pen from the executive office on on the resolute desk and it's uh it's now law because we have the courts and then we just get into all the other deconstructionist motifs and and things like that that are um that just penetrate every aspect of society whether it be gender now uh banking practices anything that has equity attached to it it is all subjective it is all very uh and it's all you know from day to day. There's there's nothing that gives it any rhyme or reason. Here's the last one of the night uh, from Mary Jo. It says I have struggled with reading the reading of this book because of the dark and depressing nature of these topics. It may not be happily ever after reading, but I feel it is relevant and important to our lives and situations today. The big theme of freedom is under attack for so many planes, uh, for so many on so many planes simultaneously, spiritually, socially, medically, financially. We are being stripped of freedom and truth. It seems unmanageable. And individuals, as individuals, we have little power. I think the characters in the book were feeling the same. I hope we can unite to find the answers humanity needs before we become enslaved to the degree that the characters are in this book. God-fearing people in groups like this might just save the country from a similar outcome. Thanks for leading, Frank and Jay. And uh, Dyslexic Angel said, same here, Mary. Yet I felt a little joy when I read this. And I think that, uh, Jay, even though we're one week away from finishing this, uh, it it is nice to know that we still have a little bit of breathing room. And uh, we aren't there just yet. And, And if we're not there just yet, then you never know.
0: yeah no, i think in our world uh we're, we have hope and again i'm not going to spoil this story because a lot of you guys probably haven't gotten to the last part but um there's not going to be a lot of hope i'll say that and and but we do have hope so thank god we're not in this universe <laughs> of breaking yeah. New world uh, i think yeah i think people are waking up and a lot of this stuff is collapsing because it it's not gonna work i mean they, they may do really crazy things and Put in a new world order technocracy for 100 years and then you know goes away or it may just all collapse right now so um yeah the system isn't god um they would like to you know in a hobbesian leviathan sense think that they're god but it's just run by human beings and humans are fallible and ultimately i would say that there's a something demonic behind them but even that's not infallible or you know omnipresent or omnipotent so I don't think the system is going to it's gonna fail.
1: I'm with you, Jay. and I appreciate your time again this week, and I'm looking forward to the finale next week, eight thirty on Monday next week. we have chapters sixteen to the just finish the book and and that's it. we're we're doing it. This has been a, a wonderful ride. Thanks again, my friend. Uh, Thank uh, you. you want you want to plug a a, new, a stream, anything that you're gonna be doing tonight tomorrow, the next day?
0: Uh, yeah, we pretty much have streams and podcasts every day now, so I'm, I'm always running nonstop, but uh, we'll be doing a uh, best and worst of Ben Affleck, <laughs> which there's some really shitty ones. But he has that, you know, time kind of CIA deep state connection, and, and that's pretty public. So we thought it'd be interesting to run through a series of Ben Affleck movies, given all the propaganda that's in them. Um, So we'll be doing that Wednesday. Yesterday, I did a John Wick uh, stream where I went into the history of assassinations. So, because, you know, John Wick's about the order of assassins. So, and then prior to that, I did a stream Monday or so, or, or last, maybe it was last Saturday or Friday, about UFO alien psyop. We did a deep dive into Jonestown. Anyway, all of those are on the channel right now. And then we'll have some, uh, you know, like I said, some Ben Affleck propaganda de- dissecting this week.
1: Excited, exciting! I-, I can't wait to get all caught up with John Wick, and I'll have to ma- I'll have to make sure I watch your thing after uh, I get the the fourth one under my belt. Yeah, the history
0: of assassins is pretty fascinating. It's, it's worth looking into.
1: I will. I-, I can't wait to do it. And uh, in the meantime, enjoy your week. We'll we'll be in touch, and and we'll do this again next week.
0: You too, Frank. Thank you, man. Have a good week.
1: Thank you, Jay. All right, guys and dolls. Thank you again for everything. Uh, I want to thank Matt1776 over there in the chat room on on pill.net Foxhole. That's the creator of the whole website. He and the other Matt, the Matts. Um, Matt Squared. They have worked so well and so hard alongside people like me. I don't know. I'm sure that they they talk to a lot of people and they work alongside of the creators. Many have been there longer than I have. But in the time that I've been there, we have worked so nicely in creating uh, ideas that can enhance the way that creators, that broadcasters are able to go and uh, interface with their audiences. And this night is a testament. The private stream, I said, Matt, listen. I need to be able to have a place and everybody does to really disassociate themselves from YouTube One thing that YouTube does very well private streams for exclusive content and You need to be able to make it so that people who aren't on Voxhole can still click a link and watch and tonight. It's a success so thank you so much Matt um, I'm, I'm really uh, looking forward to building more and more momentum for the network and the show on this on this platform going forward. It's always good to know it's a a reliable security blanket. It'll always be here. So uh, thank you, guys and dolls. Go to quitefrankly.tv. Again, Foxhole, the guys at the network, they are going to be launching it right now. 007, Quantum of Solace. It's Mystery Movie Monday. Don't go to bed yet. I'll be in the chat room hanging out with you before long. Good night.